Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. But before we do, guys, I've got another question. Would you rather give a pig a walk or a turtle a walk? Would you rather walk a turtle or would you rather walk a pig? Um... I I have no idea how to sort that one out. No. <laughs> uh, I, Neither. <laughs> I, so I guess I got to decide if I'm going to do it on how easy it would be, like my experience, or what, or how how much fun it would be for someone to see me doing it. Okay. Right? Like because because it's it's automatically going to be something weird and inconvenient. Like neither of these are easy ones to walk. So the payoff is: will I make someone laugh? Will like I make some kids' day or whatever? So I think I'm going to do turtle for that reason because it's funnier. Like a pig, a pig would be pretty ridiculous, but it feels more like walking like a very like snuffly dog, right? Like who's going to be like, you know, like sniffing at things. But a turtle is strange. Like who walks a turtle? You don't feel like like turtles walk around. So if you did it, I think it'd be funny. Eric? <laughs> just, just silence. No, no comment. <laughs> Clayton's reasoning is exactly my reasoning. That's exactly how I was processing that question. Which one would be funnier to see? Mm. But for the sake of variety, I will say pig, but it has to be a ginormous hog. Like the most see? disgusting ginormous hog that people are wondering why in the world are you out and with a leash on him. Okay, so ginormous disgusting hog. And like the most, the frilliest, like sequin, pink, you know, like, <laughs> like just one of the harnesses. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and, and like, so have the leash on the pig. Just I be was feeling the, like if you could not match the hog at all. Like if you had a top hat on the pig or something or just yeah. something, uh, yeah, that would yeah. be hilarious. Yeah. That, Disgusting hog <laughs> is my answer. <laughs> See, I, I went like a complete, so you thought what would be the most funniest, right? I was like, what would be the less like dirty? Like to me. When I walk my dog, right, I got to pick up the poop because that's just the thing that you do. You want to be a good human being and pick up the poop. Um, I don't. I do. Um, that's why I don't have a dog. A dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking of like walking this pig, like what, what could it leave behind? You know, like what kind of a mess could it leave behind? The turtle's not going to leave much of a mess behind. And I love turtles, you know, mutant yeah. turtle power. So I'm going to walk the turtle. <laughs> I am going to walk the turtle. I think that's me. I I've actually seen someone walking a tortoise, like a big old tortoise down the down the sidewalk. That seems so incredibly frustrating to walk a tortoise. Like it just <laughs> so I, I felt for them. But we went up and said hello, and we like saw the tortoise. So in a normal neighborhood, you saw someone walking yeah, well, a tortoise it was my, on a it was sidewalk. My sister's neighborhood, so I don't know how normal that is, but you know, yeah, I did. That's they amazing. were going. They were they were walking towards like a like a Fourth of July fair. We were like visiting in town with my sister, and we were walking to the fair. They were going and to the show tur- the and the turtle, off. and maybe it was a contest. I don't know. Maybe the fair was just patriotic, or the turtle was just patriotic. Maybe you know. I don't know. Yeah, I woke up and said, "I'd really like to go really, to the. I want to go. I really want to go to the parade. Want to yeah. go to the fair." All right, Clayton, what are we talking about today? All right, we are in the book of Matthew. We are continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, These are some of the most important and the most famous teachings of Jesus. This one especially. Uh, We are going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And uh, we're going to get to uh, what, what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer here. And what's worth knowing in this passage is this is the center point of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you're you're reading through it, it's about three chapters long. This is kind of the middle point of the middle chapter. 
And in some ways, it's the heartbeat of the whole thing. All the other things that Jesus is teaching um, are about how we live and how we behave. But then there's this one part in here that's that's really about how we d- relate directly to God. Um, and so I think it's a good thing to, to note that this is the heart of the whole thing. So Eric, why don't you read from Matthew 6, 5 through the end of verse 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins." That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. You know what would be amazing? If there was a workshop where you learned how to combine your prayer life with your Bible study life, where you can get tips on developing a vibrant personal prayer life and be equipped to effectively study the Bible by learning how to use all of the tools that already exist in a good study Bible. Well, everyone, your dreams have come true. It's called Bible 201. It's normally a six-session class, but coming on Saturday, July 29, you can join me as I teach Bible 201 as a full-day workshop. Get more info at ccclife.org, and this has been your comma tip of the week. There we go. That's fantastic. (laughs) All right, let's talk about observations here. What do you guys see? Okay, so the first thing I saw, uh, verse 5, I did something fun with it. So I took that whole, that whole sentence there, and I trimmed it down. And I said, when you pray, do not love to be seen by others. Um, and what I got out of that was their focus was on people, the people around them looking at them and listening to them and saying, wow, look how righteous they are. They were show-offs. And contrast these other people they're going into their room or into their home um their focus is on god period Uh, and that was an interesting contrast to me i like verse seven where it says when you pray don't keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words Mm -hmm. these are not incantations uh it's not magic it's not a formula and we don't impress God with our eloquence. There is a way to approach your prayer life where it's not about how many words or the kinds of words you use, but rather the posture mm-hmm. uh, with which you come, right? And I think right before that is the posture in secret to a heavenly father that's listening to you and wants a relationship with you. Question about that. Um, I've, I've heard some people feel... Uh, Maybe not anxious, but um, they, they just have the question of saying, okay, if we're told to go in secret, what does that mean about public prayer? We obviously do a lot of it. Um, is there something wrong or off about that? How, how does that work? I think this text is striking at the motivation 
with which you're praying. So if your public prayers are to try to impress people or to present yourself in a way that people are going to think you're something, that that's what this is speaking against. It's not saying don't ever pray together or don't ever pray in public settings. It's giving you a don't... It, the, the first few prayer tips here from Jesus are how not to think about your prayer life, right? So don't think of it as a public demonstration so people will think highly of you, and don't think of it as some kind of incantation where if you get all the words exactly right, you're going to force God to do whatever it is that you're asking him to do. So I, that's how I read it. Yeah. And I do... I. I mean, you see other places in the, in the Bible where people pray corporately, and I love the idea of praying corporately because it can actually teach other people how to pray. It can actually strengthen our faith when we're when we when we're able to uh, hear um, how other people pray. But it also strengthens our faith when we're able to intercede, when we're able to pray for uh, our friends, our family, for people that we know, even for people that we don't know. Like a lot of times here at at Christ Community, at the end of service, we have people, right, at the back of our zones who you can go and bring your prayer request to, and then they pray for you. So there is a thing of, of praying corporately. That's a very, very valuable spiritual practice of being a Christian. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I observe here is uh, the things that it says about God. So the truths about God that are here. One, in, in this paragraph, it talks about God being unseen, um, it, but then it also says that he sees what's in secret and then it also says that he knows what we need before we ask. And I, I think all that's really, uh, really helpful to hear because I think a lot of our struggle with prayer is related to some of those things. You know, we say, okay, does God see what my needs are? Like, does he care about me? Does he hear me? Is like, is this significant at all when I'm talking to him? Or is it just he's busy with all sorts of other more important things? And the idea that God would specifically see the person who is by themselves in their room saying, this is just where I'm at. Maybe not even knowing how to say it, but God knows them and sees them. Um, there's something really reassuring about that. Um, and I think it kind of goes along a little bit with uh, what we talked about the last episode. We talked about the Beatitudes, where God is blessing people who otherwise might think they were forgotten. Uh, you know, the people who feel meek and who feel, you know, like they've got nothing to offer. God's saying, actually, the person who's in secret and no one realizes that they're crying out to me, I see them. That's, that's a pretty cool thing about God. The um, the interesting thing that I've heard in connection with that, uh, you know, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Um, is then, then why doesn't he just do it? <laughs> right? Or what's the point question. of saying yeah. it in the first place? Yeah, and and I think it's what you said too, Eric. It's that posture. It's the dependence. It's the relational trust and all the, those things that come along with saying. Um, yeah, God, I know you see my need and you know me and you know what I what I need in this situation. But I'm going to come and I'm going to bring it to you in dependence and in faith and in trust, knowing that you see it and you know it, and you're going to do what you know needs to be done with it. Yeah, there's there's so much in there of what kind of relationship God wants to have with us. It's not just how's this going to get done. You mm-hmm. know who who's gonna who's gonna uh, give the good advice to God to make sure He does the thing that needs to be. You know what I mean? Like it's not that. It's saying, you know what? When when uh, my daughter comes to me and says, "Hey, Dad, could you make me lunch?" I, I don't think, oh, man, I'm so glad you reminded me that you need food. I think, oh, this is the kind of relationship I have. My, my daughter knows that if she needs something, she can come to me, and I'm happy to help her out, and I have the ability to help her out. Like, that's the, the relationship God set, set it up. He could have set it up in a different way, and yet he said, no, this is what I want. I want dependence and trust and interaction because that's how I want to relate to people. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm thinking of the the text in James that says sometimes we don't have because we don't ask, right? And so we have a loving loving Heavenly Father that is not unwilling. He's just waiting for us to engage in the relationship and ask. Because when you are praying, when you are asking, regardless of how much faith you think you have, right? We all have we all pray and we have some mixed bag of faith and trust with like doubt and is God really going to answer this or how is he going to answer it, right? That's true. That's true of all of us. But just the the praying, the act of praying is what God values. It's it's the coming to him. Uh, and the, yeah, that analogy, Clayton, of, of your kids, I can't tell you how many times I've watched my kids struggle with something and I just sit there and watch them. I'm like, all they have to do is ask and I'll help them. Right. But what keeps a kid from asking their parents for help sometimes is pride. Yeah. Yeah. Or they think that they're going to be bothering their parents or their parents are going to be mad at them. And we take those same ideas about our earthly parents and we project them on God mm-hmm. and that keeps us from praying. Yeah. The, a question that I often uh, will ask people when they, when they're wrestling with this, well, why do I, what, what's the point of praying? If he already, he knows what he needs to do, he's going to probably do it anyway. Um, the, a, another question to ask would be, well, why do we do anything? Right? Like, why do you work on something? Why do you make something? Why do you cook food? Why do you, I mean, he could just do all those things. And yet God decided that the way he wants the world to work, like the, not just the relationship he wants to have with us, but the, the, the kind of dignity he wants to give us is that he wants us to be people who can make an, an impact in his world. When he could have done it all by himself, he says, no, I like creatures who take a little bit of my authority and use it. And so even just the things of like, why do we write something out? Why do we make something? He, well, because he said, this is how I want to do it. I want to do it through you. And prayer is just kind of like upping the ante on that, of saying, how, do, how does God want his will to be done through the world? He wants to do it through his people asking for it. There's something where we are exercising a certain right that we have to talk to God and say, will you do this? That he says, that's how I want to get things done in the world. He just likes it. He wants to work through people. Uh, an inescapable truth that is uncomfortable, verse 12, and then also connected to verse 14. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. Yeah, what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, contemplate. Serious, <laughs> seriously. Is this really telling us that there is an expectation on our lives that we should forgive other people? And if we refuse to, that we are shutting off the flow of forgiveness from our heavenly Father. If that is the case, Wow. Yeah. The, the way I've heard uh, somebody explain it is uh, forgiving and being forgiven is like breathing out and breathing in. You can't really do one without doing the other. And if, you, if you're trying to only do one, you're, you're, you're going to stop being able to do it if you don't do the other. And so uh, there, there's something about being the sort of person who understands forgiveness and grace from God that, that automatically becomes the sort of thing that you say, and now I know I need to do this towards others. And there's, there's something about the two, the two motions that go together, but it is still really sobering. Like it, it, it's, it's one of those ones that makes people question, like, am I going to be okay? You know what I mean? There is a little nervousness that comes in and, and it, and and when people are like, should I be nervous? I kind of, I kind of like ask them a question. I'm like, well, is there someone that you know that you've been holding a grudge against and you're just refusing to do anything about that? And then, then I think, well, actually, maybe that's a sign that you haven't experienced the forgiveness of God in a way that really has transformed you. Um, or if there's someone who's just feeling, you know, they're just nervous. You know what I mean? Like they're just, they feel insecure about their salvation. 
but they don't have someone that they've got that hanging out there. Um, I usually reassure that person. Um, but there is, there is an edge to this statement. I'm preaching on this in a few weeks, right? You have me doing yeah. the, you have me doing the forgiveness sermon in the, yeah, in there's, the a, there's, series. A, there's a parable uh, later in Matthew where Jesus expands on this notion with some really uh, like a pretty fascinating story. So um, that's one where we'll dig in uh, a lot deeper. Oh, so we won't just replay this episode? No, we won't just replay oh, okay. this episode. Oh, no. can I do that? <laughs> can I not write the sermon <laughs> and just play this podcast episode? Uh, no, but we are going to have a live episode. That's true. Towards the end of the summer. We so will. that'll be fun. What else do you guys see here? Um, I love the simplicity of verse 11. Uh, give us today our daily bread. Why do I love it? Uh, it's, it goes back to, again, what, what we were saying earlier. There is no intric- intricacy or eloquence in that. It's just, God, I need you to meet my needs. That's it. I've been in a lot of small groups where we, we share prayer requests, and someone will say, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything that's really that important. Mm-hmm. Like there are people that have bigger things and it's like, no, God wants you to pray about bread. Like just, will I have food on the table? Will, will this ordinary thing be met? God wants you to ask for that. Like it, none of, none of it's too small. None of it's too ordinary. He cares about all of it. Yeah. And the, and the dependence that goes behind it. Right. So yeah. daily bread, obviously making you think about manna in the old Testament where manna falls from heaven, they collect the daily bread. They weren't trying to hoard it to collect more for tomorrow. They were supposed to tr- collect the bread for today mm-hmm. and trust God again tomorrow. So there's this ongoing dependence on God that is is the heart behind, I think, this this portion of teaching us how to pray. I look at the, the Lord's Prayer here, and um, it's one that there's a, an expectation that you're going to pray in this way regularly. So Jesus is kind of giving a pattern here. Um, it's both appropriate to pray it straight up as the Lord's Prayer, but it's also appropriate to use it as kind of a, a prompt for different things to, to uh, pray through. You know, you start by talking to God as our Father in heaven, that his name would be uh, hallowed, which is a weird word. It's only in there because it's traditional. It means honored. It means uh, treated as holy. Um, it means uh, that his reputation and his uh, respect would be something that would, would spread. Um, but you use this as this template, right? That you're praying for God's praise to expand, for his kingdom to come, his will to be done, for your needs, for forgiveness, and all these things. And there's something about um, each of those things being something you fix your attention to again and again that I think shapes your heart a lot. That if you say, Jesus, what should I care about? Like he would answer the same way, right? Not just what should I pray about, but what should I love? What should I care about? What should I pursue? These would be the things. And to see to, the idea of having a person here who would... Um, always be asking for these things, um, that's a certain kind of person. Like, that's 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 a disciple. Yeah, so I grew up Roman Catholic, so let me talk for a moment to all of our Catholic and ex-Catholic listeners out there. When Jesus starts this teaching, he says, this then is how you should pray, not this then is what you should pray. So once again, when Clayton says, there's nothing wrong with reciting the Lord's Prayer, that is true. But the goal for Jesus wasn't just to give us some formula to just keep repeating over and over and over again, because in fact, right before that, he says, don't be like the pagans who think the words you use are what's going to somehow force God into doing something. This is not magic. It's not incantation. This then is how you should pray. So he's giving us a pattern. So just a little promotion on Bible 201 here again. In Bible 201, we use the Lord's Prayer pattern, and we show you how to use that pattern uh, to develop a vibrant prayer life. 
All right, let's go on to one of the M's in comma. Let's start with message today. What would you uh, use as kind of like a summary statement for one of the principles you got out of this passage? Uh, For me, my message is this. Uh, I've got little quotes around the word simple here. So simple prayers are powerful. What do I mean by that is um, prayers like, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Uh, give us today our daily bread, right? Simple prayers are powerful. They're simple uh, acts of dependence on God. They don't have to be eloquent. They don't have to be intricate. They don't have to be paragraphs and paragraphs and minutes and minutes. It's just what pops into your heart, what pops into your mind, and you pray that back to God and trust in Him. I'll I'll go with this one. Uh, Forgiven people are forgiving people. My message is uh, talk to God about his kingdom and your needs. So it gets into kind of the substance of what's there in the Lord's Prayer. And the reason I included both of those is because one is the big picture. One is like, this is what God is about in the world. He's about his kingdom. He's about uh, his, his glory. He's about his will being done. And yet it's also about your needs. It's about in this ordinary part of your life saying, this is just what I need today. This is the thing that I'm struggling with today. This is where I need forgiveness and I need to offer forgiveness. This is where I'm facing temptation. It's just your needs, but also it's in the big picture of God and his kingdom. All right, let's go on to the second M in comma, which is meditation. And so today for uh, meditation, what I'd like you to do is to simply pray through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're going to give you 45 seconds, which is probably enough time to uh, simply pray it through um, you know, as the Lord's Prayer. But you may want to pause, and you may want to zero in on one of those things, you know, or maybe pray through each one of the lines of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but I'm going to give you 45 seconds to pray through the Lord's Prayer. All right, let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. What are we going to do about this? The application for my message, simple prayers are powerful. Um, I I want to pray even when I don't have the words to pray. Um, and I will often find myself in situations like this where uh, sometimes, especially if there's something big going on, right? Um, whether it's on, on praying for my need, praying for somebody else's need, Sometimes I don't know what to pray, but I don't want that to stop me. And so normally what I'll say is, is God, I don't, I don't even know what to pray about in this situation, but I need you to come into it. I need your guidance. We need um, your peace, your comfort, whatever the case is. It's still just coming to him, um, independence, knowing he already knows the situation, and I'm bringing it to him. And so um, even whether it's a simple prayer, like I said, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, help me, whatever, or if it's, I don't even know how to pray, and Holy Spirit, I'm going to trust you to pray on my behalf, that is that is the power of prayer. Since my message is forgiven people are forgiving people, 
then uh, my application is going to be to keep short accounts. There is no justifiable grudge, bitterness, hatred, unforgiveness. Uh, so my message was uh, talk to God about his kingdom and about your needs. Um, and in some ways, the obvious application is to simply use the Lord's Prayer as your, your prompt uh, for prayer. Um, but there, there's also zeroing in on some of those things, I think, um, uh, with, the, with the kingdom of God, uh, adding into your prayer life. If you're someone who uh, normally goes through your needs uh, but don't, doesn't have the, the wider picture, uh, find a, you know, a one of our international impact partners to pray for, or uh, a ministry that you know about, or uh, people that you uh, know that need to know Jesus, that that there's something beyond the scope of your life that you're going to pray for, add that in if that's not something you do. If you're hesitant to offer your real honest needs, that may be something you have to to discipline yourself to do, to say, no, I'm really going to go through my day. I'm really going to go through the people in my you know immediate vicinity. I'm really going to go through my needs and say, honestly, God, this is what I need. Um, different of us have different inclinations, and to make sure that you're getting both the big picture of his kingdom uh, and the honest reality of your needs uh, is, is an important application. All right, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.